This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't want to work with Katrina. She comes in. She takes over. She acts like everything is her idea. Then we're in the same boat because I don't want to work with Scotty. We're working with Scotty? I'm working with Scotty. But she's coming to Bakersfield with us? She's coming to Bakersfield with me. How can you do that to me? I didn't do it to you. She did. She stole them. Wait, what? Relax, okay? You're going to go on another road trip someday. No, Harvey, you're not getting it. We're going to lose World War II. Suits season two, episode 15 is over. And if you want to hear us break down Normandy, then suits yourself. I'm Rob Sestrino back here with the guy who is never about to undo anything. It's Chappelle. Chappelle, how are you? I, I'd say I undo something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's not jump the gun here. Let's not... <laughs> Let's not make things up. We don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought we we're having a good time here, Rob. Yeah, I feel like you're more of a of a doer than an undoer. I've done both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've undone and undid, and I, sometimes I undo. That's fine. Yes. Okay. That should have been the name of this episode. Better than Normandy. Undo. Undo. Or, or joust me, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's a couple of good lines in this. Uh, yes. A few Hamlet references. I, I had a good time watch, uh, watching Undo. <laughs> I did not pick up on any Hamlet references. I didn't know that you were so in the Shakespeare world. Uh, yeah, well, you know, if you if you if you're picking up on what Lewis is putting down, sometimes you'll catch some of these ridiculous ass references. And he was talking about the slings and arrows of uh, misfortune or something yeah. like that. I was like, is that Hamlet? See, are you doing this? I can only tell you about the Star Trek references that are in this episode. Yeah, and I don't know them, mm-hmm. so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, Lewis talking about Rachel's slings and arrows of outrageous, uh, what was it, wrongness? Uh, it definitely got me to raise an eyebrow. But I heard Spock in all this. Other stuff. I was like, what? What are you talking about? This is so outdated. Yeah, there's a lot of Star Trek in Suits, so uh, we'll it's, get to that. But anyway, so yeah. we have an episode. Uh, speaking of Star Trek, it was the return of Scotty as. Dana Scott came back. Uh, of course, uh, we saw her back in season one that her and Harvey have had a complicated relationship. Uh, she comes back with the firm that she was working for. Uh, she works for the master of whispers himself. Varys is here. And works for Lord Varys. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Shout out to Varys. And he's here. And we end up defeating Daniel Harvey. Hardman once again, and now potentially there is another merge partner here for Pearson, no longer Hardman. Yeah, uh, is Hardman officially off the door? Yeah, it, it does feel like currently it's still on the wall. Like you know, I I, 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 I think I it's easier it to just rip the things off the wall, harder yeah. to you know take the like scrape the stuff off the glass. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so uh, Pearson Hartman is apparently no more. There is a merger between, uh, as you said, uh, Pearson and uh, Lord Varys. Mm -hmm. uh, Edward Darby. Yes. Yeah, Pearson (laughs) Varys. Conleth Hill as uh, Lord Varys slash uh, Edward Darby in this role. I forgot about this. Obviously, I think this is pre Game of Thrones. So, no, it's post Game of Thrones because I thought it was in the midst of Game of Thrones. Well, yeah, it's during Game of Thrones. So, yeah. Um, this is 2013. I think that Game of Thrones comes on in 2011. You know, all the books yeah. are are written uh, by th- that point, or most of them had been written by that point. L- but Lewis himself referred to himself as a Lannister recently. He said to Daniel he Harmon, he's like, well, I always pay my debts. I'm a Lannister. Right. And then we bring in Lord Varys. Are we going to get any more Game of Thrones overlap? I really, really hope so. That's been a really fun part of going through Suits that it's just like the guest stars are just like, it's like that guy after that girl after that person. And it's just uh, so the hits keep coming. Yeah, it's so weird that this show was off of so many people's radars. Like, I, I, you know, I'm like, not to brag, but as we know, I've watched this before and I watched it in real time. And even in real time, I guess you don't realize how big that a big deal it is that, yeah, Lord Varys is there. And you're kind of like, oh, that's Varys, you know, yeah. but after Game of Thrones is completely wrapped, you're like, oh, that's Varys, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a very different feel now watching it back. Yeah, I've never seen him in anything else and I've never seen him with hair. No, he kind of had a little tiny bit of hair this time. It wasn't like he wasn't like just. Yeah. But he was just like cue ball on Game of Thrones where, I mean, oh, this yeah. was like it was just it was to see him with any like fuzz on his head there. And it looks like that there's going to be a potential merger on the table, although Harvey does not seem to be into it. And I think that there could be a variety of reasons for that. Probably most notably, you think Harvey wants Dana Scott cramping his style permanently? I don't know what the heck this is about. Harvey's ego is wild in this episode because the merger is what we find out could save them from Daniel Hartman. As we know, Daniel Hartman's been trying to take them down. Edward Darby and Scotty's, their firm, uh, has a lot of money and a lot of resources. And so if they combine with Pearson Hartman, who we know are down bad, bad currently for resources and money, um, then they can take down Daniel Hartman once and for all. But for some reason, Harvey's like, yeah, Scotty's going to get her name on the door here. And potentially my name on the door here, but it's going to be her doing. And I don't like that. I don't like that she's going to be handling this one and that she made all these deals. Basically, I think he feels like he lost to her and that doesn't sit well with him. And so, yeah, he's not a fan of the merger and he says it's not going to happen. But again, Harvey, what are you doing? Why wouldn't you just let this happen? I think that that's certainly part of it. I feel like that the personal side of it also, like, I just don't think that. Harvey wants Dana Scott like like around 24-7 either. You don't think that they could have a successful relationship? Uh, you know, they seem like they're adversaries in, you know, in battle and work and work and stuff like that. But when they get to the personal stuff, they seem like they got a good chemistry. You don't think he would be willing to make it official here? I don't think that he would necessarily want to make it official. Like, I think they have like a relationship that burns like hot when it mm-hmm. is on. But it's also the type of thing where, you know, she holds information from him. And I think that Harvey is a big trust person. 
And so she held information back in the hotel episode that we had seen back in season one, and then is certainly holding a lot of information back. And so while there's definitely chemistry and sparks there, I think that Harvey is not going to want to make this a permanent thing. And if this is somebody that you don't want to have this be a permanent thing with, do you really want to have a different permanent thing with a person that you don't want to have this other permanent thing with? That's fair. And Harvey likes to win above all else. And so if you bring in this permanent relationship with somebody who you have a very, you know, personal connection with, uh, but she's being underhanded, then I don't think he can ever let his guard down because he's always afraid that she's going to be trying to beat him. In this episode, um, it does feel like from Harvey's point of view, he thinks that she's keeping this information from him because she's making these moves behind the scenes. She, she knows that this merger could lead to her being named partner potentially leaves a Harvey being named partner too, but she doesn't let Harvey in on that. She knows from jump that Edward Darby's trying to merge these two companies and that if she gets this win over Harvey, her name's going to be on the door and he doesn't like it. Chappelle, did you feel like it was a little out of nowhere in this episode that Pearson Hardman is basically broke? Uh, yes and no. So they the, the one little bit of information we get about that, we know that these uh, cases are going to try to bleed them, but we also know that they look really bad to the creditors and stuff like that because of the Daniel Hartman. Like people have been saying there's blood in the water, uh, but then we get the Monica Eaton settlement as well. They mm-hmm. did have to pay her. And so between that and then, you know, this list of, you know, Jessica basically dropping a list of all the other bills, it makes sense. It does feel like you know, we've been hearing these people basically just throw around numbers, you know, for the last two seasons. Like, there's $12 million here. It's a million dollar buy-in for this, $500,000, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, they've never seemed like they really cared about money until now. But Jessica kind of having her, like, annoyed parent balancing the books moment and, and uh, Harvey's not, well, why can't we have more stuff? I want resources. I want, we we need contractors. She's like, shut up, brat. You know, I don't have any money. Mom, like, you know, your wants don't keep food on the table here. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it did kind of feel like it was out of character. It's a little quick. I felt like we went from we were flush to broke, but okay, whatever. You know, that the things, all the things did happen. We chronicled them along the way. Is this a good move for Pearson, no longer Hardman, to be merging with Darby and potentially becoming Pearson, Darby, Scott Specter, Inspector? <laughs> Scott Specter, Inspector? Uh, yes. Uh, I think this is okay because they do need to get Daniel Hartman off their back. And by merging, uh, this allows Jessica to let um, Edward Darby in on the fact that Daniel Hartman does not. um, uh, Well, he is guilty of the embezzlement. Right. Uh, So she couldn't talk about it because the NDA. But once they merge, he has to be privy of all the books. And so he can go through the books and find out about the embezzlement on his own. And this is the thing that will keep Daniel Hartman from coming from them too much because he could still go to jail for that. You know, obviously he could, you know, sue her because she should have reported it. But I mean, he's going to be going to prison anyway, so he's not going to make that move. Um, So mm-hmm. at least at, at the very least, it does keep Daniel Hartman away for now. But from what we've seen, he's like a Moriarty of sorts. So he's going to keep coming back. You know, it's not like they, this is going to be the last of him. I, I'm sure there'll be some type of loophole 
but he'll be able to use this later on to get back into the into the fight. Yeah, so we have one episode left here in season two where um, presumably I think we're going to wrap this up. I kind of feel like that, again, Daniel Hardman seems like he's defeated. I don't know necessarily how. I'm sure he will be in episode 16 in the season two finale, but I'm not sure exactly like what angle he's going to come back. It seems like that they sort of have him like boxed out on the fulsome foods of it all. Now they have him boxed out on trying to uh, on this like a partnership situation. So I just don't know what role Daniel Hartman will play in a season finale, but you got to end big on the season finale. Yeah, and and that's the thing. If Daniel Hartman is to come back on the season finale, it'll have to be something that they used in this episode because that's normally what it is. He'll concede to something, and then later on they'll find out, well, he conceded to that because really by conceding to that, it gave him another end. And so uh, in this episode, we saw that uh, Kathleen, the one of the the lead, uh, like, well, one of the the witnesses that they were deposing, she is one of the women that got uh, a promotion when she applied for it. But initially she was denied for being, you know, uh, what was it? Um, For being, uh, what was emotional and all this other stuff, you know, the, the, you know, the trigger words. Right. And so she got denied for all that. And then suddenly there was a change and all of a sudden she was a team player and she was hardworking and it all got positive. Uh, Once we found out that Daniel Hardman, well, uh, the company Daniel Hardman is representing Folsom Foods. uh, Once they found out that she had gotten a hysterectomy and could not have kids, and so because of that, Daniel Hartman ends up conceding like, oh, damn, you got us. You know, I, I'm going to take my ball and go home. But normally when he does that, maybe that's something yeah. that'll probably come back up. He, pro- I feel like it'll be something like, well, y'all should y'all should not have known that information anyway, because that was private. And now you violated HIPAA or some shit like that. Yeah. So who knows? So we're headed into our second Suits finale. If I had to guess, and I think that maybe by the end of the season two finale, I feel like that we're going to end maybe more on Harvey is going to go out and look for some other way to get financial backing for Pearson Hardman where they don't have to do the merger with Darby and Scott. Like, I think that if I had to guess, I think that's where we end up going in the season finale. Well, see, I think. It's going to be, I think it's too late to try to go get the money. Like he would have to do that very quickly. I think that once, once Jessica shows the books to Edward Darby, I don't think you can get out of that because at that point, you know, I think you've broken the NDA. So I think that has to be able to happen. But I do think that maybe Harvey's going to do a thing where he gets Edward Darby to back out, you know, because um, finding the money, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think he's got to figure out a way to keep Darby from being, in the conversation, whether it's he's doing something dirty behind their backs, maybe he he too like uh, was working with Daniel Hardman because honestly, his involvement when it comes to Daniel Hardman just comes out of nowhere. He says, "I've met him and I was not a fan," and then mm-hmm. that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like he's he has like, his oh, little birds it. everywhere. Yeah, but his little birds were like, "Yeah, they'll drop twelve million pounds on keeping this Daniel Hardman guy out of here just because they had an interaction off screen that we didn't even see." So for me, I, there possible. has to be a way. Yeah, there has to be a way that um, that Harvey gets him to stop the merger because they've already shared the books. Jessica did violate the NDA. I mean, not technically mm-hmm. you can't prove it because they're merging. Yeah. But if they don't merge, you know, then I, I don't know if you can back. Like, I think once she's violated the NDA, I think it's kind of like the deal is done. Yeah. 
There was a lot of going around looking for evidence around the Folsom Foods case. Uh, was there anything that stood out to you in terms of this ongoing uh, court case? Yeah, so and Folsom all the different Foods, instances. Yeah, Folsom Foods' whole thing is that uh, you know they have all these different instances with these women, and they're talking about how these women uh, were you know they basically just weren't qualified, right? Like we picked the best candidates. They even bring in that Kathleen lady to be the worst because she's like, I was the best, and they we, our policy is the best. Like, lady, are you telling me really six point six percent of the women in this company like are are uh, are up to scratch to get a promotion? And she's like, oh, okay, my bad, you know. And so, so that's happening throughout we got rachel and katrina and mike kind of fighting for uh research supremacy while rachel is dropping the ball on on this mm -hmm. um there were a lot of mixed messages in this episode from my point of view um sheila's ass uh being so unprofessional that uh, or lewis painting her to be so unprofessional because she's a woman that she couldn't deal with some sexual relationship with him so she started sabotaging rachel Rob, I don't know what this episode was trying to tell us, but it was all over the place. This episode was uh, definitely all over the place with uh, following around uh, these cases. Uh, let's talk about uh, uh, Sheila and Lewis and Rachel uh, separate. Uh, I would just uh, like to bring Mike and Katrina into all this. We had a real like pissing match between Mike and Katrina did you enjoy watching this play out between Harvey's uh, new associates? No, no, because I like I like Katrina, and I think Mike was being like a little brat. You know, uh, he's mad. Like he's still mad because she got brought in to fix his issue. Remember, he he, he was going to break confidentiality, uh, you know, or whatever. So so that uh, with the I think it was the drunk driving case or whatever, not mm -hmm. the no the DUI, because um, that guy smoked weed. I don't know if you remember, but uh, did the weed. Mike Ross. Yeah, Mike Ross was really to risk it all, and so Harvey brought in Katrina to kind of you know eliminate that issue and so katrina knows this but mike is like you bribe your way into my offices i'm a first year associate damn it and she's kind of like okay i'm a fifth year associate so what are you talking about uh go get to work and he really doesn't like that he's not um i don't know i just the confidence of mike ross you know in these moments he's like i get it sir you you're harvey's favorite but you did not go to law school. You really mm -hmm. should tread lightly. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, he's indignant <laughs> on a lot of things. Yeah. All the and, time. And Katrina ends up realizing at some point that, oh, the only reason I got this job was because that Harvey loves this kid so much that he knew that he was going to show his whole ass in that courtroom, not his ass, and he was going <laughs> to do something so stupid that... Harvey needed to protect him by offering me this position. And so that's the only reason I got this job was because this idiot couldn't control himself. Yeah. And she throws that in Mike's face and Mike is like, and you still took the job. So now what? I was like, Mike, mm -hmm. what, what are you talking about? He's like, when you, you have the option to do the right or the wrong thing and you did the wrong thing. She's like, I had already put in my two weeks. I'm sorry. I couldn't take it back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm here to save your ass. And it's just, he's so indignant. He's always like, you, you got one right answer. You got one wrong answer. You picked the wrong one. You're not a lawyer, Michael. Like, bro, you don't have any moral high ground. You're breaking the law daily. Are you crazy? The, the kid is cracked. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so annoying. It's like, man, are you, dear God, can you calm the down? Mm-hmm. Look, um, Mike's living his best life, okay? You know, uh, that he's got Rachel back in the fold and, uh, you know, he's acting like a lawyer. Yeah, it's coming off a very mansplainy to someone who actually went to law school and has been working in, 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 in the a legal office. profession for yeah. years. Yeah, very mansplainy. And then, you know, I know you just want to get into Rachel a little bit later, but they drag her into the middle of it because he's like, Rachel, you're my paralegal. Can you help me? And so it, initially she's helping him. Katrina, who outranks them both, says like, I need you to help me because Jessica said so. And, and Rachel's like, well, Mike, you know, he's Harvey's favorite, so I'm going to help him. And he's like, uh, can you be a paralegal, please? And, and make copies, damn it. I was like, this is messy. Yeah. If Mike, Yeah, let, let Katrina do her job, Mike, but the pissing contest is real. Yeah, but then it got super messy by the end because you brought up Rachel and she's part of it and it's they're both sort of like trying to give Rachel stuff to do and then we he got where Katrina tells Rachel, don't do what Mike tells you to do. Do what I told you to do. And they end up like uh, taking what, what did they take out of her? Office? They basically they stole her idea that was from it was like Mike's idea originally, but they stole her numbers from the copy machine again. Yeah. So the, there's a lot of back and forth. She says, you here. stole so my Katrina- discovery. Right. So Katrina uh, takes Mike's idea and says like, oh, this is what I need to do. So then she's like, "Okay, cool. Well, Mike's got Rachel doing some research on it. But Katrina tries to throw Rachel off the track by making her go on a dummy mission um, and basically belittling her for being a paralegal. So then what's what Katrina makes her discovery. She goes she sends it off to another paralegal to do the faxing. But we know that Rachel's the best paralegal in the best city, the best law firm, blah, 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 blah. So. Rachel would have gotten it done. This Missy lady did not get it done. And so because she did it, um, they were able to steal uh, Katrina's code, uh, you know, her scan code. This comes up all the time. The scanner, the fax machine, the printer, mm-hmm. they all have this code. Yeah. Ever since they introduced it, it's the the running trope. But they steal the code so they can get the document that was scanned before it gets sent off. So, yeah, they beat Katrina at her own game. But really at what cost? And this pisses Katrina off to the point where she's just like, Rachel, listen. We I, we all know y'all sleeping together. I was like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, <laughs> Katrina. Right. Okay. Yeah. But Mike <laughs> is talking about like uh, you know that hey you you know you took my idea. What's what's right and what's wrong? And she said, and which side of right and wrong is sleeping with the paralegals? It's like, like oh, uh, I bet you didn't know they weren't sleeping together. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and Rachel's like, I bet you didn't know that they've barely office. held hands, Katrina. Yeah, bar- barely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, look, Rachel's pissed. She's like, get out of my office. And she's like, okay, fine. But just know that uh, they sleep with the paralegals, but they stay with the lawyers. And walks out. And this is the bomb drop of the century because <laughs> Katrina don't even know this. But uh, Rachel is trying to be a lawyer, but she has not gotten into Harvard and she will not get into Harvard, Rob. She does not get into Harvard. Uh, that we find out in this episode as well. Just let me understand that line before we get to Rachel. So what Katrina is saying that lawyers sleep with paralegals, but they end up having, you know, long-term relationships with only with other lawyers. It's so sexist and elitist. <laughs> and she said that shit with her whole chest. She's like, 
<laughs> like, that, ma'am, you're beneath us. You know, like, like uh, they'll yeah. sleep with you, but he's never going to love you. Do they you're say not that good. on Grey's Anatomy where it's like, hey, listen, like, uh, you might be sleeping with the nurses, but just know, doctors. He gets with, he, uh, doctors get with the attendings. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, look, in Grey's Anatomy, there are so many different hierarchical uh, struggles at HR. But when I tell you this, these interns are getting chose. These uh, I don't care how many you might be uh, attending, the head, chief of surgery, chief of medicine, chief of the hospital. You're going to find you an intern to sleep with. They do they do that on Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. They do not care. And they will marry them people and get a divorce. They do not care. So maybe it's a little different here. Maybe. Um, we don't know. We're yeah, not lawyers. But, we don't know. Yeah, but in an episode about gender discrimination, these are really some strong choices that some of these characters something are something was uh, in the coffee that day all right so yeah. all right let's bring in the rachel of it all where rachel she was applying to harvard she's got her head in the clouds that mike gets in trouble because rachel's supposed to be doing something for him she spent 45 minutes uh looking at the different websites for where she's gonna live mike gets yelled at all because of that and then she finally gets the letter from harvard that says oh you did not get in yeah, and Donna notices this just by seeing the look on her face because she looks distraught. But Mike Ross is so tied up in what he's got going on, he doesn't even notice. Mr. Photographic, I never forget a face, Mike Ross, uh, memory having ass. He walks in, sees her looking like like she saw a ghost. It's just like, oh, Rachel, get to work. No, no, I think his exact response was like, he walks in and is like, uh, yeah, don't take things personal. And she's like, what? He goes, well, you know, that's what someone told me. Mike, mm-hmm. Mike, read the room. Damn. Why did they give you this photographic memory? You're going to be a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so it ultimately ends up getting sussed out by Lewis, where uh, we see, uh, you know, I guess that Rachel and Lewis, they did have that one episode where they went to the ballet together. So they do have like uh, some kind of a bond. And Rachel ends up telling Lewis, I didn't get into Harvard and I had the, you know, best interview and everything went so good. And she reveals to Lewis that it was Sheila, Sheila's ass that ultimately was the person that she spoke to. And Lewis is like, ah, it all makes sense. She's burning Rachel to screw me over. Yep, that Sheila's ass, so emotional, so high strung. Out here cannot separate her feelings from her job. Sheila's ass is so damn unprofessional. Lewis goes to charge up Sheila's ass, and she's like, how dare you? How dare you uh, say I'm unprofessional? And he's like, I, I'm here to defend Rachel. And then Sheila's ass kind of like, say that again? Say that mm-hmm. with your chest? And he's like, yeah, I'm here to defend Rachel. She's like, oh, okay, well, you can defend these. And next thing you know, she starts to unbutton her her, her clothes because we know Sheila's ass has a thing for Lewis when he's in his, uh, in his noble night and yes, shining how armor how very moments. noble you are. Yeah, that's what took her to the next level. She's like, okay, well, yeah. we gonna joust. And yes. joust they do. Yes, yeah, he says, you're gonna undo this. And then she unbuttons the top of her blouse and he's like, that's not what I meant. She's like, is it? And she's like, it, well, it's what you did, is what she said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Sheila's ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sheila's ass gets out every time. But ultimately, we find out she's like, look at these other applicants. Like, Rachel was very good. It had nothing to do with you, Lewis. She's just not yeah. as good as these other people. 
imagine that, Louis. I was able to have a relationship with you without, you know, falling head over heels with you and starting to be completely unprofessional. And the person, this is a person that we've only known to be professional. Like that was the whole, the whole sexual attraction that Louis had toward her within the five seconds of that one episode. They're like, I think Louis likes new Louis. And mm-hmm. it's because she shows yeah. up and she's no nonsense. Yes. That is the definition of nonsense, Louis. the best aphrodisiac. Right. And he's like, but you're so emotional. You couldn't take this Lewis lit. And she's like, oh my God, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, bad look for Lewis. Uh, and, and I think also a bad look for Lewis. He ends up having to go tell Rachel, you know, that you just weren't good enough. But instead he says, Rachel, it was that damn Sheila's ass. She, yeah. she just couldn't handle all of this, all of this. Okay. And now, you know, well, let's, look at you. Let's talk that through. Okay, over. we got some feedback on this. David Schwartz wrote in, suitspodcast.com slash feedback, says, uh, can you please explain why Lewis took the blame for Rachel not getting into Harvard? It doesn't make any sense. It is one of the best schools in the world. So Rachel would understand the real reason is she isn't good enough. I've watched this show multiple times, and this might be the most infuriating part of the whole thing. I don't know. To me, I thought this was a great Lewis moment because... Rachel does seem to have at times crippling self-doubt. Why we that we, we I guess got a little bit of the backstory of that, you know, she's in her father's shadow and then uh, you know nothing's ever good enough for her dad. And even though she seemingly has everything, as Mike Ross points out in this episode, you know, is Lewis keenly like tapped into Rachel to know that it would be better for her to like come away from this and think like, oh, Lewis screwed it up for me rather than for her to believe that she just was not good enough to get into Harvard. Uh, this has so many layers. Thank you, David Schwartz, for this uh, comment. I think that I'm kind of with you. Lewis knows about her self-doubt. Rachel's whole thing is always, is it because I'm not good enough? And like, what? And she's like, I'm not good enough for Mike Ross. I'm not good enough for Harvard. Um, in this moment when Lewis catches her in the, in the copy room, she is crying, basically, and being like, screw up. Or like, F you, Lewis. If you go fire me like Harold. And he's like, Harold? Um, and so I think at that point, if you start comparing yourself to Harold in Lewis's eyes, you must be down bad. And so he does make her the promise, hey, I'm going to fix this. Again, slings and arrows of wrongness. I got to go undo those things. And he goes and he undoes something, but he does not undo this. And so he had made her a promise. And so I think what it is is that everyone loves Rachel. Uh, Lewis has had to uh, eat crow with Rachel before, when, uh, you know, when she got fired or suspended. I think they bonded at the ballet. And I think that Lewis has been on the redemption arc ever since, you know, his whole thing with Daniel Hardman. And so once he made that promise, I don't think he had the heart to go back on it and say, Rachel, you just aren't good enough. I mean, who could look at that face and be like, you're not good enough. And so, um, you know, like, it's like, Oh, like which empire would, never mind. So I just feel like we, Lewis is sitting there and he's like, I can't say the words. So he'd much rather take the brunt of that to kind of, you know, fall on the sword and say, you know what? It was me, Rachel, move on, be confident, go to, go to, go be the best lawyer that you can be. It's not your fault. Harvard doesn't see how great you are. Um, that being said, by also pinning this on Sheila's ass, it really does like just spit in the face of this entire episode. Because again, you're like, Sheila's ass is the one who should blame Rachel. Sometimes you just don't get picked. And Lewis should say, and I wasn't good enough to, to pull that string for you. I said I was I made a promise and I couldn't keep it. But instead, he's like, yep, that's Sheila. She's the devil. These women, bro, they just get so emotional and they can't handle it. I was like, ah, oh, choices. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the, the comment. But it does look like it makes sense because of where Lewis is at this point in the series. 
Now, is any part of Rachel not getting into Harvard having to do with her age in that, you know, she's not coming right out of undergraduate school? Like, is it I'm just trying to, like, compare this to, like, a, you know, sports where maybe like a guy coming into the NFL and it's not necessarily the same where you can only work in your prime as an athlete, but you would probably be more interested in maybe baseball is a little bit of a better analogy of like, okay, a a prospect coming out of high school might be a little bit more interesting than a prospect who's coming out of college because they haven't like uh, hit their uh, peak yet. Is that, or am I just like overthinking it? Like is Harvard less interested in maybe a 27 year old as opposed to a 22-year-old coming right out of undergraduate? I think it's probably uh, multifaceted somewhere like uh, where I think that um, I think honestly, I think that an uh, older graduate student is more attractive to employers, right? Because like, you know, you see what happens whenever Mike Ross walks into a room. People's like, who's the kid? Mm-hmm. Um, because he looks so young and fresh. And so it's like, yeah, do I want this young guy handling the, you know, like some type of, you know, huge, um, like deal. I know in medical schools and stuff, there's a lot of, you know, like, um, uh, overachieving students who be like, oh, I want to graduate early. And, you know, a lot of them are being advised, like, maybe don't, maybe just take your time and be, you know, the, the age you need to be because uh, a 22 year old doctor talking to a lot of uh, a lot older, more mature people, they, a lot of them won't take Happened you seriously. Happened on Doogie Howser all the time. All the time. Right. And so you're like, who is this child trying to tell me? And so, you know, so there there are reasons why you could get discriminated for being younger and, and probably, of course, older as well. But I think about 27. I don't think that's a horrible thing as far as age discrimination, but I don't really have a lot of insight into that. I would I would hope one of our uh, associates in the Facebook group can give yeah, us that us insight know. if they have it. Let us know. Yeah, because we've been getting a lot of good feedback in the Suits podcast Facebook group. OK, Chappelle, who gets the lady for this episode? Um, I mean, I don't think Harvey gets the lady. He no, I mean he didn't do anything. Um, is it Jessica? Not, it's got to be Jessica. Yeah, she didn't do much, but everybody else didn't do anything either. You know, Rachel. Rachel was in 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 hell. Lewis failed. <laughs> um, da- Donna was just Donna gets the. I don't know what the opposite of the lady is, but damn Donna, can you? It's so. It, if they don't reveal that Donna is in love with Harvey by now, you should be like, okay, something's up. Because the Scotty-Donna interactions yep. are so funny to me. Why are you on this woman's neck at work? What is, are you okay? Yeah, she asks uh, Dana Scott, okay, are you going to uh, screw him or uh, screw with him? What's the difference? Right. Can you do one without the other? Or is she like, I see y'all got into turbulence. Do- Donna... Again, I think if you take out that yeah. episode where it's like, Donna, do you love Harvey? I might not even think about it. But now I'm like, hmm. Donna, get get off this yeah. man. I mean, even at one point where she finds out Scotty's there, she comes in and she kind of is like, Harvey, fix your tie, fix your hair. And I'm thinking, OK, this is a good wingman. She hooked you up because she knew Scotty was in the other room. She didn't want to make you look bad. But every time she sees Scotty, she's like, oh, hey, Scotty. Um, no, she's like, uh, Jessica would like to see you, Harvey. Harvey's like, oh, me? He's like, yeah, you too, Scotty. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. me too? Yeah, your boss flew all the way to Britain from Britain because he's pissed at yeah. you. Have fun. Donna's taking too much fun in this. Okay. All right. So how about for the opposite of the Liddy? How about the Hardy uh, for the in Hardy. Honor of Daniel Hardman? The Hardy, I don't like that. You don't like <laughs> we don't the have Hardy? To do this. Okay. I, yeah. Well, one, I don't want to give Donna any. I don't want to. I don't want to shame Donna too much because mm-hmm. I love Donna. But again, 
you again, you want to talk about somebody being emotional and, uh, and like unprofessional. Donna, get off of Scotty's neck. Now, Scotty having sex in the jet in jet plane, uh, yeah. and, and with Harvey, Harvey, y'all two are unprofessional as well. Update but that's the hookup <laughs> spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah, the Mile High Club has one again. Mm-hmm. I don't think it counts if it's a private jet, though, Rob. I, that's how, where I Interesting. read. Um, yeah, because I, mean, oh, I think the the dif- the difficulty is is part of the process, right? If you just have like a whole cabin to yourself, that doesn't count. But again, Harvey and uh, and Scotty might be being unprofessional by you know what do you say, uh, cooking where he eats or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but Donna just being like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm gonna use every chance. Although that I do I feel I like most people do woman. cook where they eat. I don't know what what was that? Isn't that the metaphor that Harvey used? He said like, "Oh, I don't like to cook where I eat" or something like that. I was like, "What does mm-hmm. that mean?" Uh, like, you know, I guess like eat at the dining table and not at the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm not quite sure, but all that to say, um, yeah, this this was interesting. I just think okay. the uh, the writers were having a little fun here. All right, so Liddy for Jessica Pearson here in this episode. Yeah. No more Hardman on the door. It was a great moment when Daniel Hardman got to look back and say, "Oh." Guess you took my name off the door. Can I have the the hard bin for like my house? Did right. You throw the, like, just oh. throw the letters in the trash. She's like, we actually need the A and the R and the D. We have Edward Darby coming in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can't have those. My bad. Yeah. yeah. And we also You can have man. Here mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> man. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, get into. I got another piece of feedback uh, from okay. Anessa, the Fun Police. Okay, fun uh, police. Anessa has been doing some really great job of fact checking a lot of the legal work on the show. That Anessa has, uh, you know, a few different points. Uh, says the strategy of focusing the resources on one case and having the rest fall in line is actually accurate. That one Normandy case is referred to as the Bellwether case. Because these cases are very similar, you pick the strongest one and go hard on it. Then the majority of the work is done for the rest of them. If you make a strong showing, they're more likely to settle the rest of them. Harvey trying to hide the selected case is a bit odd since both sides will eventually know which one of the cases will be proceeding first ahead of the rest. I guess Harvey wants to delay disclosing this. So Daniel spends time spinning his wheels, preparing all of them. Okay, look, uh, I appreciate having Anessa and all our other legal associates in the uh, in the Facebook group, on the Twitter page, mm-hmm. giving us the insight. If you're listening to this and you have questions about some of the inner workings of this, please join the Facebook page. Suitspodcast.com slash Facebook has all the info you need. We get so much insight. Um, I think there was another bit of feedback, uh, definitely some questions about Donna and Harvey for sure, but... Rob, Sarah Miller says, we got the Facebook group right before the season one finale. Could we get a watch party for a season two finale? I was thinking uh, with our fellow associates, it would be so fun. I think the season two finale might be too soon, but maybe uh, season three, season four. I mean, we got nine of these to work with. Yeah, maybe season three, episode seven and invite Akiva. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we could. I don't know if we could pull that one off, but I would love to he try doesn't have it. to be on the podcast, but you just be there for the watch party. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, a lot of good feedback. We also heard about uh, law school from uh, Brian Anderson. I guess one of our new associates as well says uh, the law school enrollment is sizable at Harvard School of Law. This person, I mean Harvard Law School, because this person actually went there. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, so it's possible that these people don't automatically know Mike Ross, um, but you know, 
obviously there's social media that would connect these people. And so, you know, yeah, there, there are ways to realize that Mike Ross is not, you know, uh, who he seems or is not a part of the, the club. Uh, but thank you. Thank you all for this feedback. This is great. Let me give you one more thing that Anessa had in her message. She says that uh, Katrina pulling rank on Mike is actually very common. Paralegals are very valuable and there is uh, always a battle between the more experienced lawyers and the junior lawyers who are expected to do their own work and there's not enough paralegals to go around. So there's definitely that tug of war. That is real. Yeah. I can see that. It, look, and again, I think Mike was in the wrong. I really think that Mike should have just stood down. I think Mike should stand down a lot of times. I really think that as someone who is not certified to be in this spot, he should really be more humble when it comes to some of his inner working, like with other people. Uh, don't be, don't, don't, don't get pushed around, you know, don't, you know. But at the same time, you kind of got to chill a little bit because you're going to put a spotlight on you that's not necessary. I think it, the heart, there's too much Harvey in him. Mm-hmm. The, the to be yeah. right or you want to win it's really going to hinder him well that's the thing i mean look at who his mentor is his mentor is like mm-hmm. hey the rules don't apply to me you know he also is somebody who didn't go to law school so he doesn't really know like how the law firm is supposed to be run so yeah of course he's like this yeah it's really bad it's uh not it's to not mention great. grandma was always like mike you're the best right look travis tanner said and from jump you don't see me. You don't hear about me because Travis Turner was doing dirt. Right. So like uh, he knew who Harvey was. Harvey had no clue who he was. But then when they looked him up, Travis Turner had a very, very impressive resume. But he was also in the shadows. Uh, Mike Ross could learn something from that. You know, you could be in, you could be winning and stuff like that. But everybody don't got to know about it, especially if you're doing dirt. Mm-hmm. OK, Chappelle, anything else on this episode? No, this was great. Fifth Wheel Navi did respond to, uh, you know, our baby girl mm-hmm. comments. And uh, she wants us to point out when Harvey does wear his, uh, quote unquote, snatched little waistcoat. I didn't see it in this episode, no. but I will be keeping an eye out on it for Fifth Wheel Navi because that's the only reason why she's even watching the show. Okay. All right. And we appreciate all of the uh, feedback and ratings on Apple Podcasts. That helps more people find the show. So uh, thank you so much for that. That's at suitspodcast.com. All the links are right there. Chappelle, anything else for you today? Nope. Check out uh, at Chappelle's underscore show to catch up with all the other things that I'm going to be podcasting about because I'll tweet it out. Um, So yeah, that's it. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch-chumba. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.